and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and the stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. I love cheese. Just has to be said. I mean, if there was a sticker, I'd probably get it. I might not get it. I don't know if I'm like a cheese hat, like if I'd wear those Wisconsin like cheese hats. I mean, I might. They're just like really big. But regardless, I love cheese. Cheese curds, string cheese, French cheese, the lot. I was introduced to a lot of different kinds of cheeses because of my mother's love of cheese and her time in Europe and my time in Europe and basically became converted to uh, to different cheeses. One of my favorite treats while I was in Germany was something that we discovered completely on accident and I'm sure is perfectly normal over there, but to me was like a revelation. It was amazing. It was basically a breaded hockey puck. I mean, it wasn't a hockey puck, but it was about that size of camembert cheese that you would bake in the oven and you would top with Johannisbeeren, like Johannisberries. I don't know how that translates, but it's delicious. I don't know, black currants, maybe they're black currants, but it was insanely good and basically shortened my lifespan by about five years. I'm very sure. Another insane treat that we enjoyed in Germany were these mozzarella-infused croissants that you could get at different train station bakeries, but my favorite by far was found in Nuremberg. Basically, cheese makes life great, in my mind. I know that's not everybody's thing, and that's totally okay, but it's still interesting to learn about, so I'd encourage you to stick around to hear about the history of cheese making, even if you don't love cheese. I wanted to take a little bit of time today to learn about how we got to cheese, but before we can get going with our love for cheese, today we're going to start off with a few jokes to get us going. And what better way to start a cheese-making podcast episode than to start with cheesy jokes? First up. What kinds of streets do ghosts haunt? They haunt dead ends. (laughs) Second, why did the photo go to jail? It was framed. Why did the scarecrow win an award? It was outstanding in its field. And lastly, what did the ocean say to the sand? Nothing. It just waved. I mean, you're welcome. (laughs) Basically, now that we're off to a good start with some cheesy jokes, let's get going on today's topic, cheese making. There are too many cheeses to cover in one episode, so for today we're talking about the process itself and the rumors around how it got started, because I don't know about you, but I've been really curious as to who looked at cheese, especially French cheeses that sometimes smell very interesting, and said, yeah, that thing right there that smells like a sock, I'ma eat that right now. Sounds amazing. Maybe put it on a cracker. Like, who thought that? (laughs) I just want to know. Adventurous souls got us to a lot of good foods, my friends. So without further ado, let's talk about cheese making. Cheese has been around long before we started keeping records about it, at least as long as 7,000 years ago. Just think of all the cheesy jokes we may have missed out on just because they were never recorded. For shame. Some have proposed that the discovery of cheese was accidental and due to humans transporting milk in bladders made from the stomachs of animals with hooves, like cattle, sheep, goats, ox, llamas, giraffes, and more. These are a group of animals called ruminant, which comes from the Latin word meaning to chew over and over again. These ruminant animals had rennant in their stomachs, which led to the curdling of milk. We don't know where the cheese making may have started, but it could have been in Europe, Central Asia, the Sahara, 
or the Middle East. Another means of adding acid to the milk involved using fruit juice and the acid from fruits. So basically, people would carry their milk in these bladders that were made from animal stomachs, and the animal stomachs had acid in them left over, and it would curdle the milk and turn it into cheese on accident. Right now, the earliest evidence of cheese making we're finding are actual artifacts that are remnants of clay sieves found in Poland and Croatia, clocking in at over 7,000 years ago. A residue that was found on these pottery pieces has been tested and suggests that the contents had once been cheese. Shards of pottery of a similar nature have also been found in Switzerland, dating back to around 8,000 years ago or 6,000 BCE. The first processes of intentional cheesemaking may have begun by pressing and salting milk that had curdled. Following the accidental curdling of milk, this process would have become intentional by the addition of different renins on purpose this time. Because milk is difficult to keep in a hot climate, it is likely that hard cheese that had been salted had always been an important part of dairying in such places as the Sahara. Actually, dairying had been around in the Sahara since 4000 BC in the grasslands area of the Sahara. For European cheeses, these were produced in a cooler climate, which allowed for less salty cheese and thus the growth of mold, which gives those cheeses a very strong flavor or smell or many things that remind us of the smell of gym socks, but make for excellent flavors. Our earliest written records of cheese come from Sumerian cuneiform text dating back to the early 2nd millennium BC, in the early 3rd dynasty of Ur. These cheeses were salty and sour, likely comparable to feta cheeses today. An Arab legend credits an Arab tradesman with the discovery of cheese due to this method of storing milk. But cheeses made by Sumerians had actually been around for a long time before this legend. Evidence of cheesemaking in Egypt goes back around 5,000 years, while the earliest examples of cheese that we have, like an actual specimen, dates back to 3,200 years ago. Prior to this discovery by Cairo University and University of Catania, the oldest cheese found was in the funeral foods of a tomb that dated back to 2900 BCE. Cheese making even made it onto Egyptian murals dating back to 2000 BCE. According to Pliny the Elder in the Roman era, it became popular to import cheeses from foreign lands. In fact, in his book Natural History, it has two chapters which tell us of a variety of cheeses that the Romans enjoyed. Pliny also recorded the tradition that the Iranian prophet Zoroaster lived on cheese. In Greek mythology, the discovery of cheese was attributed to Aristeus, who is also credited with another culturally significant development, beekeeping. We find another example of cheese being mentioned in Greek mythology with Homer's The Odyssey, which recounts the Cyclops making sheep and goats milk and cheese. We find different records for different cheeses across the Middle Ages as well. Cheddar cheese was first recorded in the 1100s, Parmesan in 1597, Gouda in 1697, and Camembert in 1791. Cheese making and the various cheeses produced were also unique to the different regions throughout Europe because of the different bacteria and the different ingredients used in each area. After trade broke down, different cheeses were only experienced by travelers. Different cheeses made in different monasteries also had different local bacteria, which produced a specific local flavor. Various countries across Europe have different numbers of protected cheeses. Britain has 40, Italy has 52, France has 50, and Spain has 26. 
While these are the numbers of protected cheeses, the countries boast a much wider variety of cheeses in existence, with Italy boasting 400 different types of cheeses and Britain claiming 700. After Rome's fall, however, cheese became known as a peasant food, unfit for a noble person's table. Some even thought cheese was unhealthy in the Middle Ages. So that's it so far for Europe. Now let's take a look at the rest of the world. We've seen already that Africa was making cheeses and other dairy products as long as 7,000 years ago, with cheese products in the Sahara and Egypt and pottery shards with fat residues that have been discovered in Libya as well, further suggesting dairy farming and cheese making in that area. In the Americas, when conquistadors came, they made reports of finding llama cheese among the Incan and Andean cultures, although studies have not found evidence of milking among those civilizations. Following the colonization of the Americas by Europe, cheese production increased. In Asia, preserved cheese dating back to 1615 BCE was found in the Taklamakan Desert in Xinjiang, China. Other cheeses found in Asia today are also similar to paneer cheeses. A cheese called Rushan has been produced in China since the Ming Dynasty. But the expansion of cheese consumption in Asia didn't come until later with European and later American influences, and it would still be considered less prevalent around this time. Mongolia and Tibet have a much longer history of producing their own cheeses and may have contributed to China's development of cheese. Overall, until European culture spread, cheeses were more commonly found in Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. Cheesemaking made the jump across the pond with English Puritan dairy farmers who brought cheesemaking to the colonies in the 17th century. Initially, it was eastern Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut that produced cheese in the colonies, later moving west to western Massachusetts, Vermont, and New York. Following the Revolutionary War, New York took the lead. However, as settlers continued to move west, Ohio became the big cheese, as it were, even earning the nickname Cheesedom for 50 years. You may have at one point heard tale that the moon was made of cheese. Well, it turns out that this idea was first recorded in 1546, and at that time it was said that the moon was made of green cheese. Here, green referred to unaged cheese or new cheese. This observation was made in the book The Proverbs of John Haywood. In 2006, NASA played a joke for April Fools announcing the expiration date of the cheesy moon. When it comes to mass production of cheese, the first factory for cheese making opened in Switzerland in 1815. An even larger scale, assembly line style production factory was founded by Jesse Williams, who was a dairy farmer in 1851 in Rome, New York, in the United States. In the 1830s and 40s, as German, Swiss, and Norwegian immigrants joined the movement west to Wisconsin with other citizens, they began to open cheese-making dairy farms. In fact, a census from 1850 reported the production of over 400,000 pounds of cheese in 1849 alone. In 1831, Wisconsin opened its first farmstead cheese factory. While in 1841, Mrs. Ann Pickett started Wisconsin's first cottage cheese factory by using a neighbor's cow. Up into the 1860s, it was mostly the woman's role on the farm to engage in the difficult task of cheesemaking. This waned as the cheese factories started to spread across America. In the 1860s, scientists had also come up with pure microbial cultures. Whereas previously cheese had been made from recycled whey or bacteria from the cheese's environment, these pure microbial cultures allowed for the standardization of cheese and further mass production. 
And with mass production came more affordability for the masses, including the poorer classes. Ceramic cheese dishes or cheese balls were a popular way of preserving the cheeses until the invention of the refrigerator for the home in 1913. During World War II, factory-made cheeses became more popular than cheeses made at home. These days, Americans consume more processed cheeses than factory-made cheeses. Processed cheese was developed in 1911 in Switzerland by Walter Gerber and Fitz Stettler. Inspired by cheese sauces like fondue, the two men added sodium citrate to emmentaler cheese that had been melted, with the result that it emulsified the cheese, which allowed it to cool and solidify again. Later in 1916, Canadian-American James L. Kraft patented a process for stopping the maturation of cheese. Processed cheese allowed for a longer shelf life for cheese, was more uniformly produced, which made it cheaper and also gave it a greater resistance to melting and separating. Wisconsin's cheese-making history lasts over 180 years and is made for over 600 different types of cheese. Wisconsin alone produces 25% of America's cheeses. There is even an official cheese day to celebrate the cheese-making for Greene County. It was first held in October 28th, 1914. Monroe became known as the Swiss cheese capital of the United States. In 1950, it produced over 44 million pounds of Swiss cheese, and since has produced 200 million pounds of cheese, which might be just enough to make a moon. Or maybe not. Whether it's been part of your school lunches as a child or a very fancy charcuterie board, cheese is a part of our life and has enriched it one way or another, be it on accident or on purpose. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care.